Welcome to the Man Up God's Way podcast, a show that dives into the real, raw, and relevant issues for men in their faith, life, and community. Now, your host, Jody Birkin. All right, here we are again on another Man Up Monday. Thank you guys for joining us. My name is Jody Birkin. I'll be your host tonight. I'm the founder of Man Up God's Way Men's Ministry and excited to bring you this podcast. We do this every Monday night at 8 o'clock. It is live on Facebook, on our main page, on our group. Uh, Just so you guys know, we have 878,000 followers on our Man Up God's Way page, and we have over 34,000 men in our community. And so you can find those. Just search Man Up God's Way and you can join one of those uh, groups and or pages. And so um, if you get an opportunity right now, if you would, just share this uh, on your own page so we can reach more and more for the sake of the gospel. And I just want to thank you guys for joining us. Um, you can download this podcast tomorrow uh, right after um, tonight. As a matter of fact, about two hours after tonight on any podcast platform. We're on Apple, iTunes, Google Play, uh, Podomatic, which is our format and all the above so you can make sure you can download this as well as well so uh ben my co-host how you doing brother i'm not in a very good mood well you'll get over it i think i I think i have i think i have made it clear that i don't want to have better looking people on this show every week every week i'm the fourth or fifth best looking guy on the show and i'm sick of it man well other than that i'm doing first that's right i'm I'm glad to be here always excited well i'm glad you're here man i I hope you had a great weekend and uh glad you're here joining us Uh, in the back we got rusty who is sick today so he's not gonna say much he's not he's got a, a his throat's gone um and so he's not doing not saying too much today got fregosa how you doing brother i'm feeling better you know i'm feeling better okay good yeah take some pills yeah rusty and fregosa last week had to take my doll and take the night off as well so uh they they didn't make it last last week uh but you had a uh, launch party yesterday didn't you i did man uh we launched drunk it is currently live on my uh website which is uh fregosamusicofficial.com and it will start hitting platforms. I've already submitted it to all the platforms. So this week, uh, it's going to hit Spotify and uh, Apple Music and Reverb, uh, basically anywhere. You know, for, for goes to spell that for everybody. Uh, F R A G O Z A Music Official. And uh, that's your com. that's your um, website. Yeah, forgozamusicofficial.com. Uh, I have somebody, somebody out there sneaky. Uh, I let my uh, website name lapse, and it bought it out from underneath me, so I had to add the official. Uh, They got me, man. They got me, and I ain't got enough money to pay them right now, so (laughs) it is what it is. But, yeah, F-R-A-G-O-Z-A. This week, wherever you're listening to music, you'll find it. It's called Drunk. Uh, It'll hit soon, so it's out there. I'm trying to find the, uh, the website. Where is it on the internet? Where is? I'll, I'll say what it? you said earlier before we started. Just Google me, bro. Just gonna Google me. <laughs> Just Google yeah. me, bro. You can <laughs> find me. I did, but it doesn't say. Go- it says Google2019.com. Yeah, hit that one. So that's hit a that one? that's a sublink. All right, yeah. drunk. There we go. So I got to download it. I can't no, just play it. So scroll down. If you're on an iPhone, it's it's scroll down it after the Twitter. Uh, I got it. All here, the right way here. down. You can play the whole song. Okay. Can I play it for a second? Oh, yeah. Get you it. mind if I play yeah. it? And I love this song. This is a, a great song by Fregosa Music. 
Listen to this. I get drunk to get less lonely. Ooh. A little more sad, but a lot more heartbeats. This is not condoning it's drinking. It's just telling you what happens when you do. That's for sure. When I get drunk, I get less lonely. Gonna drop. Here we go. Waking in the morning, pressure feeling my head. I can feel simple grassing his blood in my head. We're honored to be able to worldwide exclusive playing a Fregosa's drunk. I shouldn't do that shit. <laughs> if I could sing like that, I'd be a lot less humble than he is. Oh my gosh, dude. Even though it's hard to sleep, it's hard to drink, it's hard to breathe. Love that song. Awesome, brother. Man, that is great. I wasn't expecting that tonight. I'm proud of you, man. That is awesome. I love that's one of my favorite songs that you have, man. And the night that you did it for our conference and uh just to be able to tell your story behind the whole song, that was uh that was good. Made yeah. me love you even more. So <laughs> that's cool. Well, I had a lot of help on it. Uh, John Strano, he's a local uh, man. Actually, he's a guy you should definitely have on and chat with. Um, Strano, he's a producer out here in uh, um, Missouri. I guess he's not St. Louis. Was St. Charles is where he's at. I found him about a year ago. We've been and we'll do about three more tracks this that's year. That's great. Um, super talented guy. Makes me sound pretty, doesn't he? That's great. He does. He <laughs> sounded good. Well, real quick, we want to talk a little bit about our merchandise. This is how we pay for our podcast. We have on our manupmerch.com website, we have coffee. We have coffee mugs. We have thermoses. Uh, we have water bottles, all Man Up, God's Way brand. Uh, got my coffee mug here and um, got shirts right there. We've got a flag like this one in the back. And so uh, you can also find our books on Amazon.com. Uh, just look up Man Up God's Way and you'll be able to find us there. Help us pay for this podcast. We would appreciate it. Just picking up some merch and uh, it's really cool stuff too. So we appreciate that. Uh, really excited tonight. I got a special guest tonight. Uh, this, uh, this, this guy, this man I should say, is uh, I've been watching him grow over the last um, six years and it's just been awesome to, to watch him grow as uh, into a godly man and just watch him come into you know my life and see him go from where he was to where he is today, and I'm honored to have uh, Dr. Jared Posey on our show tonight. So how you doing, brother? I'm doing great, man. I'm happy to be here. Thanks awesome. for having me. Well, I'm, I'm excited about it, man. It's going to be good, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about your story here in just a minute, and just kind of dive into you know your testimony, um, kind of how you you ended up with uh, you know just being under the discipleship of man up God's way and try to uh, see where your life went and just the ups and downs that have been going through it and kind of where you are uh, at this point. But uh, real quick, I want to talk to you about something that we've re we're really excited about coming up uh, probably in the next couple weeks. We just signed off on. Uh, a new app and I'm really excited about this app it's going to be a community-based app where we're actually going to have 
our uh, the the ability to have our own community, uh, our own content, our own videos, everything that you could imagine we're going to have inside this app and it's going to be available uh, within the next two or three weeks. And so um, we're going to try to get as many people on this uh, men, uh, especially on this app. It's going to be a great community app. It's going to be a great uh, place to be able to find helps and discipleship and all kinds of good stuff. So make sure you look uh, for that over the next few weeks and uh, we'll be talking quite a bit about it uh, on the podcast as well. So uh, without any further ado, uh, Jared, man, I, I'm seriously, I'm glad to have you here and, uh, I'll tell how Jared and I met a few years ago. Um, we, we were just talking about this right before we started the podcast. I couldn't remember exactly when we met, but then he, he told me and it reminded me of, uh, when we launched, uh, the church that I pastored and that was in 2015, uh, I'd gotten an email, I think it was an email or a text or Facebook something, and uh, you had just asking questions about the church and who we were having at the church for our launch party and all that kind of good stuff. And uh, you and I got to talking, and I'd called you that night, and we spent you know probably 30, 40 minutes on the phone just yep. talking about it. And so you and your family ended up coming, and you've been uh, been under the, the umbrella of Man Up and our church for almost six years now or seven years now yeah, and the whole time man awesome uh, i'm glad uh, glad that you're here and so why don't you tell everybody just a little bit of your story of you know how you grew up um you know how you became a doctor um you know what that whole process is and you know just just your testimony you know especially you know getting to know god and uh getting to know your wife and your kids and all that kind of good stuff so Fire yeah. away. Man, that's a big, long story. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we've got two hours, so go for it. Well, uh, you know, I guess it, I mean, going all the way back, you know, um, I grew up Catholic. You know, my, my mom's side of the family was very, uh, you know, very into their Catholic faith. Mm -hmm. So I grew up in Catholic church, you know, got sprinkled, you know, from the time I was a baby and everything. Um you know, Catholic grade school, Catholic high school. I even went to like a Lutheran college my first year, you know, the whole ball of wax. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was always for me, I always like to say I was like the good kid that did bad things, you know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Eddie um, Haskell, yeah, like yeah. Eddie Haskell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was, that was kind of my story, you know, um, went to church when I got into college and stuff, you know, uh, I went on a scholarship to play soccer my freshman year of school. And then, I blew out my knee the summer between freshman and sophomore year, and I ended up transferring and went to Southeast Missouri State. That's where I ended up meeting my wife. But no more soccer for me, and I joined a fraternity. And our, our advisor for uh, my fraternity, the campus faculty advisor, was mm -hmm. the head of Catholic Campus Ministries. So still just, you know, a lot more Catholic influence and stuff. And Father Jay, he's a great dude. Um, you know, I was always in kind of like leadership roles and stuff in the fraternity. So he and I had a really good relationship and stuff. And um, But I kind of quit going to church, mm -hmm. you know, like once I got to college. And it's more about having fun and partying, you know, that kind of thing. I right. kind of quit going to church. Um, then I met Aaron. So Aaron's my wife now. We got married in 2008. Okay. And uh, her family was um, – um, Church of God, so, um, you know, a little more kind of like our church kind of kind right. of is, a little more uh, like non-denominational type feeling and stuff, and we'd go visit on the weekends and stuff sometimes, and I went to church with her a few times. Um, I, man, I really had my first, like, run-in 
with the Lord in that church. I remember being there. You know, she's from Sykeston, which is this little small town. Right. And everybody knew who I was. I didn't know anybody, right? So I'm at church, and uh, the pastor, he, he was actually the pastor that did our wedding. There was He gave an altar call, like, at the end of church. Right. And at the time, I was, like, super struggling with um, some things my parents were going through in their relationship, and I was kind of feeling broken over it. And he gave this altar call, and I was like, man, he's talking right to me, you know. And I was like, I want to go up there. I'm like, there, I'm not getting up in front of all these people. <laughs> they know me. I don't know them. They're going to think I'm some <coughs> kind of heathen or whatever. So I didn't go. <coughs> and uh, this pastor, he, he calls out again, and he's like, I just, you know, God's telling me somebody's out there that, you know, really is, you know, this is for them. And um, I just felt like he was, like, staring right at me, like, burning. <laughs> right through your Like soul. a hole through yeah. my forehead with, like, laser beam eyeballs, you know. And uh, I just felt the spirit, you know, calling me to, to get up. And, I, man, I just, like, held, I held on to my pew. I was like, I ain't going nowhere, you know. <laughs> and uh, a third time, a third time he calls for it. And the Holy Spirit just broke me, dude. And um, I remember I grabbed Aaron's hand, and immediately I was just, like, crying. I grabbed her hand. I stood up, not even by my own power, but walked up front, got on my knees and prayed. And that was, like, really my first, uh, you know, kind of coming come, coming to Christ. You know, like, it was my first time my whole life I knew about God. Like, right. I had learned about God. I learned about religion and Catholicism. But it was always an idea, you right. know. And that was probably the first time I was like, this is real. You mm-hmm. know, like, there is really a God. Like, he's really interacting with me right now and really talking to me. And uh, so, yeah, that's kind of where it, that's where it great. really started. That's great. So you guys, you just visited the church. You weren't necessarily going there, right? Yeah, so Aaron grew up in that church. Like, the week she was born, she was in that church, okay. right? Her, her dad, um, you know, he's, what did he just turn 70 maybe? And, um, you know, he's been teaching Bible study there since he was like a teenager. So right. their family had been there the whole time. But that was in Sykeston. So, um, yeah, w- you know, when I came back to St. Louis after I graduated, um, you know, I might have gone to church a handful of times with my mom or whatever. And I was working um, in a physical therapy clinic doing, like, sports performance enhancement training. Mm-hmm. And um, at that time, Aaron and I were dating. And a buddy of mine who was working there part-time was going to Logan College of Chiropractic here in St. Louis. And Aaron had, like, these horrible migraine headaches like her whole life and this dude was like have you ever taken her to see a chiropractor and I was like no dude I didn't even know chiropractic could you know right. help headaches or whatever so uh you know we end up taking her to see him and for the first time like she started getting like relief from these migraine I mean she had wh- she almost dropped out of school because she would get these headaches she'd have to go in a dark room you know turn off the lights all the sound you know and just deal with it you know and um anyway so chiropractic started helping her and at that time, I was not super happy with my chosen profession, you right. know, and I was starting to look for something else. I was going to, my plan was to go be a pharmaceutical sales rep. And um, I had gone through interview and interview and interview, and I went through this com- forest pharmaceuticals. I went through like five interviews with them. It was like this close to getting hired on. And at the same time this was going on, I decided to apply to chiropractic school. Right. Because it was helping Aaron so much. And I started calling people that were chiropractors and being like, you know, hey, can I come shadow you? You know, what do you like about your profession? What do you not? Because I was really interested in it. And everybody was, like, so in love with what they did. They were, like, over the moon about it. So I ended up applying. And, um, you know, I, 
basically right at that time, Forest Pharmaceuticals had gone on a hiring freeze, and I got accepted in the chiropractic school like the same week. And that was honestly probably one of the first big decisions in my life that I had prayed about. Right. And God totally just closed that door. He made it very clear this was uh, what I was supposed to be doing. So I ended up going to chiropractic school. We looked a couple places, Kansas City, L.A., and I settled in St. Louis. Erin didn't really want to go away from her family and stuff. And uh, in chiropractic school, I had a buddy, a roommate that was Filipino, super Catholic too. And he kind of started getting me to go back to church. So I kind of started getting back into it a little bit more um, as we got closer to the end of school and graduating. Mm -hmm. Aaron and I got invited to this church here in St. Louis that was uh, unlike any other church that I'd been to. It was a little more like charismatic. You right. know? Um, and it was, it was just super cool. So we ended up kind of going there. We did our premarital counseling there and stuff. Um, and then we moved out this way, you know. And uh, once we moved out this way, I opened my practice in Wildwood. And uh, I did a talk for like a mops group or something like that at, at West County uh, Community Church up there. And all these people were like, you got to come visit our church, come visit our church. I'm like, no, I kind of like my church. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm good. And uh, anyway, we started going. To, we ended up, you know, starting to go to church there. And that's when I really kind of started to grow. I kind of mm -hmm. got a mentor. And uh, this dude lived in my neighborhood. Actually, our whole small group was basically in the neighborhood that I'm oh, in right cool. now. And uh, they called it the compound because they <laughs> all lived in the same neighborhood, right? So Aaron and I ended up building a house there. And uh, we got into a small group. I kind of, this dude kind of took me under his wing a little bit and stuff. And um, started growing. And uh, we were there for like five years. And then some stuff, you know, crap kind of hit the fan mm -hmm. one day. And um, we just felt... Like, this wasn't where we were supposed to be anymore, and that's when I found you guys, man. That's awesome. Yeah. That's and good. we've been here ever since. That's good. And so when did you guys get married? In 2008? 2008, Okay. Yep. And I graduated. So we got married in April. I graduated in December. Okay. Awesome. So now you're currently uh, the owner of uh, 212 Wellness. Is that right? Sir, two hundred. Do, do, do you say two twelve or two hundred twelve? We just call it two twelve. Okay. Yeah, technically it's like two hundred twelve degrees of wellness. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. That's great. So um, when you came here, I, I, I mean, I'll be honest, you were pretty. I would say you were still on the milk of the word. Oh, for sure. For sure. For okay. Sure. Um, and, and just watching you over the last six or seven years, literally grow. Uh, to the meat of the word has just been uh, I've been very proud of you like it makes me you know every time I hear you talk and you, you're talking scripture and you're texting people and inviting people to church and you know sharing the gospel man it just really I'm like a you know just like a proud daddy it's just almost like holy cow dude I'm so it's awesome both you and Ben I've literally watched grow over the last five or six years in ways that you know it's just it's just cool like it's just so cool to watch God do uh, what he's been doing in both of your guys' lives. Yeah. And Jared, too, especially just in the last two years, mm -hmm. you know, yep. it was it, all of a sudden it was just like, yeah, you know, have you ever noticed that? Have you ever sat back and thought about how we all three, like even Rusty, too, like we all married up? Okay, <laughs> that's when he said Aaron's <laughs> name, you know, yeah. we all. We all married up. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Sure. We definitely kicked out out, out of our coverage. That's yeah, one sure. thing. One thing that uh, this year I joined uh, Jared's life group last year, and uh, we had been in Jody's life group uh, for since I, uh, the day we walked into the church, and God had put it on my heart to 
get to know Jared and, and, and uh, my other friend Jacob uh, better. And uh, it's, been, it's been invigorating for me mm-hmm. because all the couples are young. Right. When I say young, under 40. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me and Stacy are, I'm 50, Stacy's 52. And Jared is just, he's really, uh, he, Jared is a bright light. Mm-hmm. He's always positive. He's always, you know, saying encouraging words, looking for an encouraging song, sending this, that, and the other. And I'm not always like that. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of to the point, black and white. I'm trying to bust you in the head with this right. message. You know what I'm saying? And so it's it's really been fun to be around and get to know him uh, because it's also changed me a little, mm-hmm. just kind of seeing not just him, other people too, but especially Jared. So yeah. it was a great decision to, to just get to know him better because me and Jared knew each other, but we were, were just fist bumping yeah. in church, right. and, you know, this, that, and the other. But it's really when he started to do the announcements and stuff like that that I really got to see Jared. Oh, wow. You know, because when I first met Jared, it, like it seemed like his wife was on fire, but he was just coming and he mm-hmm. was always nice and shaking hands. But man, once he started doing announcements and <laughs> and, and and he just got on fire, he did. It's yeah. been great to yeah, see. It's, it's been good to see God do that into your into your life. What do you think? Um, you know, thinking back to 2015, 2016, when you came to the church, um, like what's your assessment? Where do you think you were at that point in time? And what do you think got you to where you are today? Oh, man. I mean, I was still really, you know, even growing up knowing, you know, about God and everything like that, um, going to church, like I was still so, so green, you know, I mean, right. it was, I, w- I started, you know, at the church we went to before here, went to Bible study and, you know, stuff like that, got in a small group and really like I started learning, but I was kind of like sitting back, like kind of mm-hmm. taking it all in, you know, and it was good. And I was asking questions and you know, honestly, like the whole time, like I was, I don't know, I was just struggling, you know, cause I had like just unconfessed in my heart mm-hmm. and, um, it was, it was weighing me down. So while I was trying to like learn and grow, there's this like heavy cloud, you know, kind of hanging over me and like, that's, that's honestly, you know, my testimony and that's probably where things really kind of kicked off, but it, it, ki- it was a slow start, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, you know, my, my testimony really is, you know, like when, uh, you know, Aaron and I, we got married in 2008 and then in 2010, we had our daughter and, you know, being a young chiropractor, super like deep into like just the pure, like unadulterated chiropractic, like the philosophy, the Mm -hmm. innate intelligence, you know, like all this stuff. We wanted to do everything supernatural, you know, so we had planned, we got a doula. We were going to do like a, a natural birth and everything like that. And it was so like out of our control. Her water broke like three weeks early. Oh, wow. With Izzy. And um, she didn't go into labor. So we had to go to the hospital like pretty much right away, you know, because there's increased right. risk of infection. And like as soon as we stepped foot into that hospital, everything was like all medical, medical, medical. You know, like they wanted to start her on pit and, you know, like right. all this, all this stuff. So. Things went kind of sideways, and we ended up with a with a um, cesarean, you know. And Izzy was born; she was healthy. She was young; she was little, but she was healthy. And you know, another big part of our plan was like the breastfeeding thing, right. you know, like natural is the way to go for us. And it just like went totally sideways, you know. She wouldn't latch, and we had issues. My mother in law was here, like helping out and stuff, you know. And uh, you know, I went back to work pretty quick. And my mother-in-law was there, and I just remember coming home and, like, 
one day, like, Izzy's, like, eating out of a bottle, you know, and I'm, like, ticked off. I'm, like, what's going on? <laughs> you, like, threw the plan out the window, you know? And, like, I was, like, hurt over it, you know? Right. But, um, you know, my mother-in-law was just there helping any way she could, and I didn't see, like, the struggle that was happening behind the scenes, right. you know, when I was at work all day. And um, so I was kind of ticked off about it, honestly, and um, I just felt kind of, like, pushed aside, like, my opinion didn't matter. It's funny you say that. That happened with us, too. We weren't quite that natural with our first one, but we weren't going to do binkies, and we weren't going to do, you know, um, it, just anything. We weren't going to do, it, you know, it was, everything's going to be kind of this natural phase that we go through, and the very first day, my mom and uh, my mother-in-law were helping Nan out. You know, she just needed a break, and you know, the baby wouldn't quit crying and all this kind of stuff. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, it's e my f oldest daughter, and she finally quits crying. <laughs> we go into the to the room, and she's got a pacifier in her mouth, and, you know, the grandmas had already taken her. And they went all old school, you know, the, how they raised us. And we were like, oh, crap, I guess we got to let you guys have some, yeah. you know. Yeah. And it took us probably four years to get rid of that stupid thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I totally felt that way, you know. And, um so anyway, you know, it put a little tension in our in mm -hmm. our marriage, and and Aaron had a C-section. You know, we we lived in a townhome at the time, and our bedroom was on the second floor. So she was struggling; like she had a hard time, like just going up the stairs and going to bed. And it put almost like this kind of rift, in, you know, in our marriage at the time. And you know, the worst thing happened after that is I had a buddy, one of my buddies I grew up with, uh, fraternity brother, you know, whole whole nine. We've known each other a long time. He was getting married, too. It was like that time of life where all your buddies are getting married. Yeah. You're at a, week, a wedding yeah. every other weekend, you know. And um, so we went on this bachelor party, right? And we go, we went to the lake, and it was just, it was nuts. It was stupid, you know. I mean, just drinking and, you know, partying and the whole nine. And so this bachelor party ends up at, like, you know, for lack of better terms, like a, a gentleman's club, you okay. know. And we're in there, and we're partying, and you know, having a good time and just drunken stupor. And, and anyway, things just, they got a little too, a little too crazy. Right. And, um, and I did things that like really no married man should, should do. Right. You know? And I just remember, you know, that Sunday coming home, just like this weight and this heaviness, like just all over me, dude, I was just like so broken, um, just like in tears, you know? And, like we had all made this pact, like you know what happens on the bachelor party stays on the bachelor right. party. Nobody, nobody else is gonna know except for who was here, you know, kind of deal. And man, this weighed on me for a while. And we had just started going to this other church, you know. And growing up Catholic, like everything was very kind of strict and regimented, you know. Sign of the cross, stand up, sit down, you know, kneel, right. say that, say that our Father, that kind of thing. And we went to this church that was like a little more charismatic, and I remember hearing this lady like praying in tongues behind me and I was like whoa like what's going on <laughs> what's going on back there you know and I I just heard God tell me you know at that time he's like don't don't judge this he's like I want you to be I want you to be curious about this and um so I, I got curious and I started studying and I got you know one of the pastors there at that church kind of took me under his wing and he was kind of explaining to me what was going on you know reading me some scriptures and stuff like that and I got really hungry for the gift of like praying in tongues, mm -hmm. right? Like, I don't know why, just like I wanted it because I saw these dudes that I looked up to, you know, right. who, who had this gift. And I was like, I want that kind of closeness with God. And I remember I started like praying for that gift and studying and, you know, spending time in the word, spending time with the Lord, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it never happened. And, you know, I was like, why, God, do you give me this desire 
and you don't give me this gift. And he told me, he was like, you got to confess this sin, right? You got to confess what happened at this bachelor party. And I'm like, no way, <laughs> like no way, you know, like my wife will divorce me. Some other man's going to end up raising my daughter. Like this is not, this is not going to happen. And like me and God, I just like, we fought over it right. like for like probably almost two years. Right. And it just, every time, dude, every time I'd pray for something big, every time I feel like I started to grow, I'd hear him say like, you got to confess this. And, uh, I remember at that point I met up at, uh, with one of my mentors for lunch and he's like, he's like, yeah, dude, you know, you gotta, you gotta confess this. And I told Aaron, I said, we got to talk about something serious when I get home, you know? And, um, so I had kind of set the stage and I met with this dude and when he's, he's telling me his story and his testimony, he starts telling me about some like sexual sin stuff that happened to him when he was a kid. Right. And he just like totally like put it all out on the table. I'm like, how, how, are you not like worried about what I'm thinking about this or whatever? And he, he didn't care cause he was healed from right, it. You know, right. he, he was forgiven and he was healed. And the crazy thing is, is all that sexual stuff that he had gone through when he was a kid happened to me too, you mm. know, when I was a kid. Right. So then immediately the Lord's like, Oh yeah, you got to confess this stuff too. I'm like, Oh, you gotta be kidding <laughs> me. You know, like I feel like my whole world's going to blow up. I'm going to lose my, lose my marriage, lose my house. You know, like everything's going to, gonna just go down the drain and now you want to add more on to it and um anyway you know i was at work that day and it was a tough day and i came home and we aaron and i sat down and i just kind of let it all out and dude i've never been so broken in my life you know i mean snot coming out of my nose just crying <laughs> and stuff and you know like she could see you know the brokenness she was ticked yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> she, was, she was ticked for sure but she could see the brokenness and the, the sincerity and i told her like i didn't get caught man you know so like i just straight up you know threw myself Confessed, under right, the bus exactly. pretty much right and as i'm doing this like the lord's just revealing more and more things he's like i want you to confess this i want you to confess this like all these things along the way i'm like you know i'm this deep like i might as well just lay it all out and like every skeleton in my closet dude like I just laid out that night and nobody, nobody has ever known me to that level that Aaron now knows me at because I had confessed everything to her. That's you know? awesome. And, um, it was tough after that, dude, we mm -hmm. went to counseling and, you know, it was, uh, we kind of had a struggle, but like once I got that out from underneath that and you know, God kind of healed me of that and, um, I kind of started growing a little bit more and, a little bit more and a little bit more. And then we found this church, you know, and I'm like, kind of sat back for a while. And then I was like, I want to, I want to step up, you know, like I want to help out. And I, I don't remember what I did. I think the first thing I did is I helped out on the, like the security team or whatever, you know, and, um, they didn't need me anymore. And then I ended up helping with, uh, you know, like the soundboard and stuff mm -hmm. in the back. And that was, <laughs> we had, you guys know, we had a little trouble with that for a hot minute. And, um, and then, I wasn't needed for that anymore, and then I'm like, man, I just don't know, you know, what to do, and then um, you gave me the opportunity to do, you know, announcements, and then I kind of, like, became, like, the, like, unofficial announcement right. guy, you know, mm -hmm. and I was like, well, what do you want me to do, and you're like, well, read a scripture and pray and say the announcements, and then we'll start, you know, start, start the service or whatever, and um, you gave me, like, you gave me rope, dude, mm -hmm. you know, like, and uh, so I, I took that very seriously and that i really started diving in the word i was like you know got praying like god give me a message you know what do you want me to share and um it just went 
deeper and deeper and deeper. And then, like, the more I dove in, like, the more I felt the Lord just kind of, like, you know, um, revealing himself to me. Right. You know, and having, like, actually growing a relationship. So mm-hmm. it's, been, it's been incredible. That's it's awesome. awesome. That's awesome. Last week, Ben and I were talking about discipleship. And as a matter of fact, I got a couple of emails during the week about um, and, and just, you know, talking about the discipleship process that we talked about through Man Up God's Way, how we talk about the seven areas in a Christian man's life for their spiritual sissies and they need to man up God's way. And so as I think about this, you know, most men, I, I would say majority of men in the church have not been discipled. And discipleship isn't necessarily that we sit down and we go through scripture and then we pull out the commentary and then we figure all this out. Discipleship is literally just doing life together. It is, and it's not a, it's, it's not a, a, f- a five week process. It's not a 10 week process. It's not a one year pro like it's a lifelong process. And that's where, you know, both of you guys have, have, I've watched you, um, Ben more than you, but Ben came in with the pre- preconceived idea of what he thought, you know, I was trying to be, the, I was trying to be the greatest, right? It, what it, whether right? What, whether it least. was manhood or right. theologically or wherever he, he kind of was, he had his mindset and this was what he had his box. And that was, that was his, that was his understanding of the Bible. That was his understanding of God. That was understanding of marriage, manhood and all this kind of stuff. You kind of came in and you had really no preconceived notions whatsoever other than I'm saved. You know, that's what, it, and I'm not saying that's the way that you felt, but, you know, just there, there's, there was a big difference in the dichotomy. What was cool, though, or what has been cool is watching you both be teachable. You know, um, to not have a teachable spirit is really bad news. That's where, you know, Jesus comes in and he starts throwing in the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the vipers, and, like, that's the kind of spirit that you don't want to have. And, you know, just watching, you know, Ben go from this guy who, man, he is freaking moldable now. Like, he's he's even, he, he's questioning, he's, you know, rearranging his theology, and he's rearranging his understanding, he's bringing context in, and it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of cool stuff. And you're doing the exact same thing. Like, I get a text from you almost every week, you know, what does this scripture mean? I'm in Samuel right now. What does this mean? Like, I don't understand this. And, right. Um, that's really cool. And that's what, that's really what discipleship is all about. And I think a lot of men get that confused because they think that they need to sit down with somebody and, and, and which is good. Yes, we should sit down together, but I, I think the way that we've structured some of the stuff that we have, um, not only within man up, but also within our church is that it gives you the ability to learn and also to grow and teach, um, at the same time. And you guys both know when you're teaching, man, you learn more than your students oh, do yeah. most of the time. And so it's been really cool to watch God do this work in and through discipleship. And uh, we're seeing it, you know, I, Ben and I have talked about his marriage, man. We're seeing it in his marriage substantially. Like, it's massive. Uh, we're seeing it in your marriage, too. Like, d- between uh, you and Aaron, man, just the growth that you guys have had. And then we see it in your kids. And that's what's cool. That's That's when you know that they you've got it like you finally understand exactly what this christian walk is all about you finally understand what you know your your purpose in life is and that's where you can get into this vein of 
man, I'm going to live out this walk, you know, to the best of my ability. And you have to be teachable. Well, this is, it, I mean, if I can speak yes. to this, we were talking about this before um, the show even started. You know, I was like, hey, man, what does your guys' discipleship program look like? And, you know, your response was, was you know, y- it, it takes the individual. Like, you can set up a program and you can... Um, you can provide things for them, but if you're not hungry to be discipled, right, it's just not going to happen. Yep. You know, the best discipleship comes from those little things that you're talking about. Like, hey, I just, you know, I don't, I'm in the Word right now right. by myself, right, and I'm not understanding the Scripture that I'm reading, and so then you're reaching out um, rather than you know the other way around of you trying to grab somebody and drag them along with yeah. you and say hey let me disciple well, you yeah it's yeah it's like jody That's said there is no 10-step process right. like you can go to a men's conference and you're going to glean a lot of stuff there you're going to learn some things this that and the other but it's it's about spending time with each other being willing to look at another man see where he's doing mm-hmm. things where he's getting it right and you're getting it wrong or See, we come, we're, we're coming from two different places. I'm coming from, like Jody said, this is what I thought. This is what I know. This is how I am. Nobody's changed me. I'm ready to set the world on fire. And I literally had to come backwards from watching men, watching other as, as other men came into the church that knew a lot about the Bible uh, because I don't listen to a whole lot of people about the Bible. So if I do listen, it's because I'm, I, I feel like I'm learning something. You came from where you were and you... You just grew from from there, and I had to step back, mm-hmm. re- relearn some stuff, and then spring forward. Right, so exactly. it's, it's 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 two birds with one stone, but different stones. Right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, it's been cool. Yeah, I mean, some of it for me was just like being, you know, humble in the fact of saying like, I don't know what I don't know. You right. know, like like sure i've heard some stories and sure i've been to church and i've prayed and you know this and that but like the bible's kind of deep you know and like (laughs) i mean like i remember a conversation we had you know early on the whole idea of like you know um of you know being chosen like predestined versus like free will and stuff and i'm like dude you're crazy what are you talking (laughs) about you know like you know like a young believer i'm like it's free will man you know like i i made this choice and like the more I grow on my walk, I'm like, I didn't do anything, dude. Like this was all God. Right. For and like the the more I learn and the deeper I get into this, I'm like, I d- it wasn't me that chose him. It's him that chose, chose me. me. Yeah. Right. The For coolest sure. phrase I've yeah. ever heard when it comes to like the the talk on predestination is, did God choose me or did I choose him? Yes. You're exactly right. What yeah. I've learned, and I'm coming from an almost Calvinistic view, is. It's somewhere in the middle. Yes, Jesus tells Peter, you heard that from my father. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. comes from heaven. Mm-hmm. You can't know that unless it comes from heaven. Having said that, we have to make a choice. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a point where the Holy Spirit brings us to a choice because God wants your love by choice, not by force. That's God good. didn't create robots, right? So yeah. that's where I've grown. So really, it's like I said to Jody one day. It's Calvin. It's a. It's Arminianism, or, or it's it's the two words. Carminianism. Car- <laughs> yeah, Car- Car- Carminianism is, is what it is. And people, first of all, people need to stop arguing about it. We talk about that now yeah. all the time. It's it's. Listen, if you know Jesus, we don't have to talk prophecy. We don't have to get into the. I'm not saying don't read the Book of Revelations. Jesus says a wicked generation seeks a sign. So what are you mm-hmm. looking for a sign for? 
Right. right? If you yeah. have Jesus, it's all all right. Now, we can have fun. We can talk about it. We can debate a little, but shouldn't be doing it in front of new Christians. That was my mistake. <laughs> right? And that's why I think that's why Jody always kept me in his life group. <laughs> Just keep the reins on me. But I've 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 changed a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, you know, with uh, with me, it was like kind of like a slow burn growth right. with Jared. It was just boom. yeah, at some point a couple of years ago. Yeah. You know what it like really what it was with that. Like Sorry to point. interrupt you, Jared. Yeah. Just right up against that. OK. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, it was like discipleship so important, but like accountability too. you know, and like honestly, like you giving me a chance to like step into mm-hmm. a role where. I had to be accountable to it, you know, right. and then I always joke like with small group, you know, our life, our life group is freaking amazing. Yes, like I is. love our life group, man. But like, I didn't even want to do it. I always joke and say, I got voluntold. Yeah. You know, like my, <laughs> my, my wife voluntold me to lead this group, but it gave, it made me accountable for like mm-hmm. studying the lessons and studying the scriptures, you know, and, um, and praying and all that kind of stuff. And the more I was accountable and had, you know, other people to give me opportunities to, to learn and teach and stuff like that, that's really what kind of yep. set, set things on fire for me. Yep. It's just I'm so, like, blessed and so thankful for that opportunity because, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a different person, man. Yeah, you yep. are. You are big time. Like, I love watching God just work on these little things that, you know, just you, just chipping away and, you know, polishing each side of that, that, that piece of coal that's turning into a diamond. You know, you in know, all of us, it's cool. We'll be, uh, we'll be doing an outreach project. Or doing something for outreach and maybe Jared's working or he can't come. He is one of the only people that texts me every single time. Yeah. I'm praying for you. I wish I could be there. Yeah. Uh, you guys are doing amazing things. You know, God, I love to see what God's doing. He's just always so encouraging. Yeah. He's, he's always trying to speak life into people. Yeah. And that, I appreciate him for that. Yeah, our life, first of all, I just want to say something real quick our life groups i said before it's got all these young these people are crying when they're praying (laughs) they're blubbering all over themselves and i mean that in a good Good way way, yeah and it's totally just making me look because it's a younger generation and and um my generation i feel like when when we're on fire for god it's through the word Mm -hmm. and not that it's not the same for them but for them it's about the worship it is and that's the part where I struggle mm-hmm. with public worship. So in my car, I'm crying, blubbering all over myself, singing at the top of my lungs. At here, at at church, when I'm when I'm worshiping, I'm looking at you. I'm I'm looking at people around the room. You know, I I, right. I get distracted unless it's yeah. a song that really really hits my so heart. So you're the I, guy when I say all all heads bowed and eyes closed, you're over there with one eye open looking at everybody. Me, that, me yeah. and your yeah, wife. Yeah, I know exactly. Me and Nan. Every time I look at Nan, she's looking, and she admits she's looking, and I'm looking. Yeah, I want to know. I'm not trying to embarrass you or anything like that, but I want to know who's given their life to the Lord. When somebody gives their lives to the Lord, I blubber all over myself. Every yeah, I like it. Too. I can't contain it. Man. It was awesome. yeah. So That's I have awesome. a confession. There's a secret society of those of us that pray with our eyes open, <laughs> and we know who we are, but all y'all don't know who we are because you shut them down. I actually I pray with my eyes open. Yeah, I, I get. I, I have. Uh, I, if I bow my head and close my eyes, and if I'm you know standing or something, I literally will get dizzy. I have to keep my eyes open. So I get distracted. Yeah. No joke. Oh, I, I will get distracted. If I close my eyes, yeah. I'm Squirrel. such an imaginative. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I can find a Bible verse that does say something about praying with your eyes. Your eyes closed, yeah. I'll you find it. I, I don't know it off the top of my hold head. Hold up. I got to ask, how are, the, how are these, you know, 
deaf people praying then. Deaf people getting together, they they don't know when it starts. No, no, no. I'm stops. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying he's saying always pray with your eye open, but there is a Bible verse that's probably well, in the yeah. Old Testament yeah, yeah. that says something about praying with your eyes open. Yeah, probably, yeah you have probably to. Right. What's yeah. What's funny about that to me is I remember there's a an older lady in our church. She's a she's a widow now, but just awesome lady, funny, and she was one of my patients for a while. And uh, she was telling me one day after church, she's like. I was watching you while we were praying. She's like, you don't bow your head. Why don't you bow your head? <laughs> She's like, is that because is that because of your posture and you don't want to hurt the curve in your neck? And I was like, I was like, no, I just I want I wanted to look up to God when I was praying. And but it was funny that she That's thought I was, I was looking up Making when I was sure praying. Yeah, because of posture. That, that same <laughs> that same widow. When we're in the sanctuary, I, oftentimes I will reach over and I will kiss my wife on the cheek and I'll hear that same widow say get a room <laughs> that's funny that is funny so yeah guys like i i, I want to uh, like address the audience because many guys aren't discipled and uh, they're not giving themselves over to somebody to be discipled and that's that's sad um you know even a, the the vision uh statement that we have for our church and and really that has guided man up God's way is that we disciple all those who will listen. And that's a, that's a key. And Fergoza said that while ago, it's, you have to disciple or you, number one, you have to want to be discipled. Uh, number two, then you have to make sure that you're going out and in helping those that want to be discipled. We, we have so many men, um, and, and because this is man up God's way, we talk about men all the time, but even women are not being discipled. However, uh, the women are, they're, they're more emotional. And when they are discipled and when they're learning, they, they usually are more learned than most men. I tell you what, man, they grow big time, big time do they grow. And so uh, don't look for a program. Don't look for a 12-step program or, you know, a quick, quick, you know, get discipled rich scheme or something like that like how to how to or whatever number one you just have to open up your bible first of all so start reading the bible which will generate questions as you're reading the bible have you a notebook right here and so write those notes out write write out those questions that you have and there's two things that you can do you can find somebody that will help you answer those questions or you can then do some research and some studies and some commentaries and check and see what those mean i love sometimes jared will send me a text and, and ben's even done this you'll send me a text saying, hey what does this mean and i didn't get back to him really quick and like you know a couple hours later oh never mind i found it in commentary i found it in you know this or i googled it or whatever and uh it's really cool to, to do that but that's what you need to be doing is asking these questions my but friend anthony just taught me something and it goes along with what you just said about re when you're reading your bible i'm getting ready to do a talk at the next men's breakfast and we're kind of working on it and he gave me three steps when i read my bible what does it say what does it mean how do i apply it to my life right so what is the scripture saying what does it mean in right. context how do i apply it to my life and that's really 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 helped me that's good yeah, that's good. That's exactly what it's all about. You know, as you go through the word of God, it's gonna, you're not gonna know everything. I don't know everything. Um, most pastors don't know everything. Theologians don't know everything. And we probably won't know everything till we get to heaven. And that's assuming we even care once we get there. Yeah. 
Um, but my point is, is that discipleship is a process and it can take, it can take years and, um, you have to be learned. Uh, I've been a Christian now since 2003. So that's what, 22 years. No, that's not, no, 19 years. So it's 19 years, and uh, I continue to read my Bible every day. I continue to stay in the Word of God every day. I've probably gone through the, the Bible over 25, 30 times, um, depending on, you know, with my studies and uh, just my daily reading, and I'm still learning. Like, yeah. it's, it's really cool uh, to what God will show you when you need to know it. That's yeah. the cool thing about it is you don't have to know everything about the Word of God today. You just need to know what He needs you to know today. And it's it could be everything from, you know, uh, pointing out sin, you know, uh, through a sermon or through a study or through another friend, uh, through accountability partners. Uh, the word of God could show you what you need to apply. It could show you what you need to do. Uh, but we have a biblically illiterate society right now, especially within the church. Nobody knows what the word of God says. And so they're not reading it. Um, and I just I, I, I appreciate both of you guys just growing in the, the grace and knowledge of Jesus, because that's a that's a major, major, you know, problem within the church. And you're exemplifying what it means not only to be a man, but you're also pointing into your wives and you're pointing into your children and your grandkids. Um, and it's it's just really cool to see the discipleship model actually work. You got yeah. grandkids, dude. Yeah, they got grandkids. Just oh, you. yeah, I do have grandkids. <coughs> the the yeah. discipleships. You know, I, I think yeah. I think I don't know. I'm not going to speak for Jared, but I, I would bet because I I know his wife. My wife has really been is the is the is the tool that God has used so much oh, for my absolutely. growth. Absolutely. Can I can I read something real quick? So it's the Bible. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Proverbs 31. We all know the verses, but I I kind of want to point out a couple of things that. God led me to um, recently. A woman the, in the ESV, the this section of Proverbs thirty-one is called "The Woman Who Fears the Lord." An excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will he will have no lack of gain. That's the first verse that, that stood out to me the other day when I was just thinking about how amazing my wife was. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. Like, that's nothing that we do. The reason why we will have no lack of gain is because she's a woman who fears the Lord. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is her yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it with the fruits. And then it gets down here. I'm not going to read every verse, and it says, Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Why is he known in the gates? Because his wife fears the Lord. Our right. wives are a huge reason why this is happening in our lives. It's right. God first, but it's it's these women that God has brought us that challenge us, that expect us to be better, 
that uh, call out our sin and our behavior, that they don't like this, that, and the other. And so the reason I read those verses tonight is because we're, we're going to make a lot of mistakes, but let's focus on when that happens and when they're on us and when they're trying to get us to do better, that there's a reason God's using them to do it. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Wives has such a beautiful role under God. Amen. They're, 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 mm-hmm. they're just, I mean, women have killed kings in the Bible. Or, or had them yeah, killed. Exactly. You know, yeah. And it just, I, I, so, and real quick, you brought the heat within the first half hour. I love you. <laughs> because that's, that's how I am. And he's taught us, like, like, I'm transparent. You want me to tell you about my testimony? Ten minutes in, I'm telling you how I thieved from people, this, that, and the other. So how do you, how do you get, on a high level, how do you get from where you were that day that you confess your sin to what, to what we see today and with you, your wife, and your family? How does that play out, kind of? How do I get from there to here? Yeah, so the forgiveness, the reconciliation, the regeneration, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it was tough, dude. Like, um, no joke. I mean, it was, I felt like my wife hated me, <laughs> you yeah. know, for like years. Oh, she did. I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she probably did. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, God is just so faithful, you know, and like together, no matter what we were going through, like we made it a priority to go to church. You know, we... Like <laughs> our our life group is on Friday nights, mm-hmm. and you know when I was still kind of like a baby Christian, the life group that we were in in our old church was on Friday nights. I'm like Friday night, you know, like <laughs> Friday night's the night to go out and party. Like I don't want to do, I don't want to go to a church thing on Friday night, and um, it just became so powerful, you know, mm-hmm. and that's why I wanted to do mine on Friday night, you know, like I'm I'm over that point in my life of going out and partying and that kind of stuff now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was being faithful. And like you said, like, it's just amazing to think that like, it was in God's plan all along, mm-hmm. you know, for him, he, he knew from before I was even here that I was for Aaron and Aaron was for me. And if it wasn't for her, like dragging me to church, you know, mm-hmm. and me going up and responding to an altar call and, you know, the, the church that we went to, you know, here where I heard somebody talk in tongues. I mean, it was just all it was all orchestrated, you know, mm-hmm. and he has used my life in incredible ways, um, you know, in my walk. Like I said, even her, like, kind of volunteering me to lead a small group and stuff like that. Like, it's just all in his plan, you know. She does so much for our family, dude. It is yeah. incredible, um, you know, what she's – I don't even know how she, how she can do it. You know, <laughs> I kind of go to work, and I, you know, I work hard and I work long hours some days, but, like, she's just keeping everything together at home. And she's working, you know, yeah. and I'm like, I don't, I don't know how she does it. She does you, it. You know, I knew you weren't always, I knew you weren't always sold out on all that free willy stuff to the degree that, pe- now to the degree that people believe it, right? Like I know we have will, but I always knew that you were well, it's, it's, it's before it's the foundations <laughs> of the world. It's just come with like a level of maturity and growth, you mm-hmm. know, and like the, dis- I've been like blessed beyond to have, you know, incredible mentors. Like, I mean, not to like suck up or anything, but like, you know, for you, Jody, like the fact, one of the things that like really got me about this place is like our old church, our pastor, he'd preach in a, in a suit and tie, you know, mm-hmm. and he would talk about how he never had a sip of beer, or, you know, any of this kind of stuff. And I'm like, that's not my story. You know, like that was kind of a hard guy for me to, um, to relate to, you know, and when I came 
to our church, you know, I remember seeing, this is what I loved. It was like, there were some guys who were like in slacks and dress shoes. And then there were some guys who were in like holy jeans and like camo <laughs> hats, you know, and like <laughs> it was, this place was just like, it was so much a come as you are. And it yeah. was, it was so authentic and it wasn't about what you looked like or, you know, even how much nobody knew how much you tithed or where you lived or what kind of house you had. It was just like, it was broken real authentic people coming mm-hmm. to love God and like your story about, you know, just your, your whole testimony. Mm-hmm. Like that's just totally resonated with me. Just remember so, Jody's so. from Kentucky. So it's come as young to <laughs> <laughs> come as young to. <laughs> yeah. Jody. I mean, Jody really yeah. is. And, and this is, this is not, I mean, God's using Jody. So we don't want to, we don't want to sit here yeah. and, and put a stumbling block in front of Jody. Jody, Jody is a man of God, but God's using him and, 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 and these characteristics that the, he has of being transparent, of needing to man up himself, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that story has resonated. I told Jody not too long ago on the podcast, whether they know it or not, every man that steps through this, these church doors needs to man up somehow. Mm-hmm. Because that's his story, and yeah. he is the leader of the church, and it's like a spiritual umbrella, and just like when I the first day I walked into the church and I was as prideful as they come, I came into this church to be the associate pastor. Right, mm-hmm. our associate pastor knows more about the Bible than I will ever know, and that's what humbled me real quick is the day he walked into the church. But my point is, is that I had to learn that I'm coming here to man up. I thought I was the man, <laughs> right? And 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 found out real quickly. And it's Joe. It's it's God using Jody to be transparent, to uh, put his heart out there, to talk about the places that he's failed and and what God's taught him, and you know where he was and where he is now. That that's the goods right mm-hmm. there. Amen. That's that's the goods. Amen. You know, I. Uh, I mentioned this the other day. Um, I'm listening to a podcast right now, and it's it's the uh, Who Killed Mars Hill. And uh, I think I was telling you guys this a little bit a while ago, but it's really rocked my world because the last thing, and really what it's about, it's about Mark Driscoll, who I have watched <clears throat> since the day I got saved in 2003. And, you know, I've read his books and, you know, followed his walk and was on his email list and podcasts and all that kind of stuff the whole time that he had you know from 2003 to 2014 when the church finally imploded but um i'm seeing similarities let me rephrase that i have seen similarities in the story that they're telling about this guy who was domineering and he was a um he was a uh, a dictator like he had no he didn't have one humble bone in his body and I didn't see that from the outside looking in at this guy and I really idolized him and and that's exactly why he ended up blowing up because his church was growing fast and you know they did have a 50 million dollar budget and they had 15 locations and 20,000 members and um, I'm I'm listening to that I just finished it today but I, I've been listening to it for about a week and I'm I'm this whole podcast and it's just talking about broken people and you know all of this kind of stuff and i this is a longer story to get to a point but um it's made me appreciate you know ben always says that he's he's in my life to keep me humble and i appreciate that you know it's one of those things that man i i've got to have that in my life because i saw 
You know, it talked about how Driscoll became the brand instead of the gospel becoming the center of the church. And, dude, I'm telling you what, you know, in the early days, uh, I think that's what I was trying to do was create a brand and uh, instead of the gospel. And over the last couple of years, man, it, I've changed my direction in in where I'm, I think I'm going and spiritually feeling is that the last thing you can do is, is either create a ministry and or a uh, church on a person. Yeah. And that's the worst thing that you can possibly do. And this, this podcast, man, I'm telling you what, the it's called uh, Who Killed Mars Hill? And um, it's done really well. It's done, it's done phenomenal. But, man, it just made me sit back as a pastor and as a, you know, a men's leader to, to really collect my thoughts and collect my spirit about, okay, why, why are we doing what we're doing, number one, and how do we keep from getting to a place to where it becomes about the brand and not the gospel? That's, that's like my biggest fear. And um, the one thing that I appreciate that I want to see happen, not only within our church, but also within the man of community, is that men are doing Christianity um, because they're, they're led to, because, because they're not looking for a platform, because they're not taking a selfie while they're handing a homeless guy a sandwich, you know, that they're, they're discipling men without having to let the whole world know that they're, you know, like there's this, there's this fear that happens um, to people like you're going to miss out on something if you don't, you know, make it public. Yeah. Uh, the gospel is the only thing that you need to make public. The gospel, living it out, talking about it, that's the only thing that you need, need to make pl- public. Let Jesus be gl- glorified and not you. And so um, I say all that to say is that I, I love watching you guys grow because what and I, because what what I see is the gospel moving and in the the life groups and you know the stuff that uh, the guys that we have working on the man up stuff like it's not about just one person or one ministry or one church it's about the gospel itself it's all about Jesus Christ and we got to be real careful with allowing that to to get to our heads about. Look at where we are. Look at what we've done, uh, and it can happen in business. You know, you you can get to a place to where you know, you're a small business owner, and yeah. you know it can you can make it all about you real quick, and uh, that's how you end up imploding. And that's exactly what happened at uh, at Mars Hill. You know, twenty thousand members starting uh, two thousand fourteen by August or September of two thousand fourteen. Not a church left. Like twenty thousand people gone. You know, just have yeah. lost the shepherd because he lost his way. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's what I pray for you guys. And I pray for anybody listening right now is that, you know, you don't allow the world to come in and take over. You know, the, the world right now is nasty. It's dark. It's trying to take you places where you don't necessarily need to go. Uh, and we forget about the center of it all is Jesus Christ. And we got to make sure that we don't forget that. And, uh, I want to encourage you guys too. you know, don't forget what you're doing as you grow. And as you continue to, to lead your wives and wash them with the water of the word and raising your children and your grandchildren and Jesus, it can't be about you. It has to be about Jesus. Well, and you know, we, we talk, we've talked about how you, you've got to keep men around you that tell you what you want, need to know, not what you want to hear. And you have those men, like we beat you up sometimes. Mm -hmm. 
because we like I see it. Everybody loves Jody, mm. and that's a good thing. But but it also we we, we me and you are both a lot alike. We we love to be like yes, uh, yeah. right? Like yeah, who does? God made yeah. you a pastor. God had me. It got me leading outreach. What was he thinking? Right. Like <laughs> what ministry gets more? praise than the outreach how did you do this but it's humbling me right it's making me aware of don't like let other people say hey you guys are doing mm -hmm. a great job but you know all god it's all god it's nothing's happening that i'm the most mm -hmm. selfish person mm -hmm. that you could ever know and god has changed that and and i want to honor it you know what I'm saying? And okay. that's what happened to, to some of these pastors is they're not. It's first or second Corinthians where Paul talks about preaching the gospel freely. Mm -hmm. And he says, I abased myself, right. which means to lower. Mm -hmm. Right. And he talks in that same verse about men of occasion. So men that come into the church and want him to preach the sermon that right. they want him to preach and they'll give money or, you know, let's think about this. And they're called men of occasion. We're going to protect you from that. Amen. We're going to protect each other from that. We're not right. going to let that happen. Right. And you've got six, seven, eight, ten, whatever it is, 20 guys around you that are, that are aware of that and are, are, are trying to keep you from all that because right. you, you've got that personality, that look that you could be a superstar real quick. Yeah. I don't want that. Right. You <laughs> used to, but you don't anymore. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's yeah. part of your growth. Sorry. What's the scripture that says something like, uh, you know, I must decrease so he can yeah. increase, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah, he must increrease and I must, must decrease. decrease. Yeah, exactly. That's a, And that's where a lot of my um, thought process is. Is like, how do you... I even told, uh, you know, one of my elders, um, you know, that I, I appreciate them keeping me you know keeping me at bay like that because what i saw through this podcast was nobody he had no spiritual authority in his life whatsoever and he you and and to be honest rightly so because his church is blowing up you know thousands upon thousands of people you know coming to the church every year and you know giving their lives to the lord and changing and millions being donated and ministry starting all across the world and all he had to do is say look at what i'm doing and nobody would even question him you know yeah, nobody yeah. would even s you know stick that and um and that's sad that you know people get to that place and but it it happens i think it's a reality too for most pastors mm -hmm. you know to be fair to him most pastors don't have a spiritual authority in their life or um you know someone to go to or someone to give mm -hmm. feedback and then be receptive of that feedback uh, i would say probably in the 90 percentile when i meet pastors um, it's very rarely that they are still being mentored by an elder or right. there is some you know because i work pretty close with pastors when i go into churches and yeah. um, you know i've worked for many churches it is a rarity right. to find a pastor who also has someone an elder over him giving him some spiritual mm -hmm. guidance or some feedback um, and that's just the nature of mm -hmm. pastors, maybe just in the U.S., but in my experience, that's the norm. Well, bibli biblically speaking, and if there's any pastors out there listening, you do need somebody that, uh, number one, that you can talk to. Uh, number two, that will will poke you in the proverbial chest. Um, biblically, the way that we've structured our church is that we have a plurality of elders. And so my elders have the authority um, to, you know, 
speak into my life and to 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 make sure that I'm not doing the things that I'm not supposed to. Um, and that's that's the way that I want it. That's wh- I want that because I am the kind of guy that would literally bulldoze over everybody and get my way. And uh, so I'm 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 blessed that God sent these guys that have the guts to say no, Jody. That's not that's not right. Or no, you need to think this out. Or man, you could have done a little bit better in that sermon. Or don't you think you're a little harsh? You know. And so I've got these guys in my life, and that's what that's what discipleship is all about. Whether you're a pastor, an elder, outreach, or you know the the guy doing the announcements, or a small group leader, you've got to have this that the, that part of a discipleship is a part of accountability. Uh, it's making sure that you are above reproach. It's making sure that you do have your household in order, and you need men in your life to be able to do that. I've been arguing with people lately, um, especially online, that uh, who think they uh, don't need church. You know, yeah, it, it just blows me away. Like they're ignoring you, the don't forsake the gathering. Yeah, the assembly of, the, <laughs> of each other. And um, but the reason you need and I, it again, no, the church isn't a building. The church is people. But you need people in your life to be able to not only live this life, but to have the accountability to be discipled, to to make sure that you understand the word of God and that you're living it out. Um, and that's what I've seen in your guys life, man. Y'all have. Jared, uh, you have been um, just a, a blessing, you know, to, to watch you grow and to watch you and Aaron just, you know, get to, to be the couple that is a godly couple. And she is, uh, you know, she's in our women's ministry. She's in our children's ministry. Like She's just blowing up. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, tonight I went into the church and uh, the women's Bible study was going on and they actually started their women's Bible study an hour, or excuse me, a prayer time before their Bible study. So about an hour before, and I kid you not, dude, they, I didn't think they were coming out. Like they were praying and they were crying and they were weeping and they were on their knees. And, uh, your wife was right in the midst of that. Matter of fact, both of your wives were mm-hmm. right in the midst of that. And, uh, it's beautiful to see because, the um, the mirror of a man is his wife yeah. when it comes to Christianity. Man, when, and Ben, you and I have talked about this on this podcast, when your wife is side by side of you and she is in tune with God just like you are and you guys are both moving as one flesh, the encouragement c- is coming, the prayers are coming, the, uh, the exaltation is coming on both sides. Man, there is nothing better to see that in that kind of marriage. And that's what I see in, in both your guys' marriage. Jared, especially yours, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's gorgeous. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. I, I've, I've already bragged on Ben over the last few parts. <laughs> I'm not going to keep bragging on him, but his is, it's, it's beautiful to see where God is taking you know, broken situations. Um, you know, Ben about imploded his marriage, you know, right off the start. Uh, you weren't too far behind, you know, imploding your marriage right off the start. And God took these broken pieces and it's hard. It's not, you know, uh, anyone listening right now. It's not like, you know, one day they were having an issue and the next day they were all back together. You know, it's all, all perfect. Uh, it has been a work in progress, um, or in process that has become the progress that you guys are seeing now. Uh, and it's beautiful to know that God is in the reconciliation business. Like he wants to reconcile broken people, not only to each other, but to himself. 
And so no matter what you've done or what you or your spouse done, um, and he can heal that and uh, speak on that just a little bit. I mean, what you've seen in that healing process. You know, it's, it's always hard for me to, like, give a testimony because I always feel like I'm still, like, such a work in progress. Mm-hmm. You know, like, my testimony's far from far from over, you know, like, right. he's still, still growing me and still shaping me, you know, and, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, marriage was, yeah, I mean, it was really hard, especially after, you know, I confessed that. And he talked about discipleship, you know, and how that was one way that I grew. Another way that I grew was confessing unconfessed sin you know that people didn't Mm, know about that was like taking taking chains off you know and kind of grab another gear you know so to speak with that and um yeah this is kind of off topic but you know talking about our small group and stuff and god using using other men to kind of bring you along i had this 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 idea this notion that like when i confess that sin god he he that i proved myself to him and that he I now showed that he could trust me and, you know, he started trusting me with more things and giving me more opportunities and stuff. And I was actually saying that one night at small group and this other guy that's in our group, who's kind of new to church over the last year. He's like, he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's like, put on the brakes here, dude. And and he's like, he's like, isn't God, you know, all knowing, all sovereign, like all powerful. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, He's like, God knew everything. You didn't, he knew he could trust you or if he couldn't trust you. He's like, God show, God asked you to do something hard, not so that you could prove to him that he could trust you, but so that he could prove to me that I, I could, could trust, trust him. him. Yeah. You know? yeah, that's good. And it's been just all these little things like that, you know. Um, learning. But yeah, yeah my, uh, yeah. oh, God <laughs> crushed me, man. I mean, that was, that was eye opening for me, huge. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, in marriage, you know, like honestly, we always heard the idea like as you grow closer to God, you grow closer together, right. you know, and that's been the thing. And like, I've always envied people that had, you know, these amazing marriages and, you know, relationships with their spouses and stuff like that. And I always wanted it and we didn't have it. And, you know, over the last you know number of years, it's definitely getting better mm-hmm. and better and better, you know, like, um, and a lot of that for me, man, was like shedding, shedding the old self, you right. know, and um, kind of dying, dying to the flesh, you know, like giving up alcohol That's was good. it was a big thing for me this year. But there's times, man, like we had one time just recently, a week or two ago, and I can't even remember what happened. I have a terrible memory. <laughs> I can't even remember what happened, but there was some stuff going down at home in the family with the kids or whatever, and we were just kind of irritated and I was just like really fed up and Aaron goes, we're getting ready to put the kids to bed. And Aaron's like, we need to pray over this. I was like, I don't feel like praying right now. (laughs) Like I was ticked (laughs) off, you know, and she stepped up, man, you know, and she started praying and then we all started praying and the kids are praying, you know, and like we'll be riding in the car and she'll bring up something that, you know, somebody puts on a small group chat or like leadership board or whatever. And she's like, we need to pray for so-and-so, you know, and like, she'll pray i'll pray the kids will pray but like a lot of times she's the catalyst for that you know and um so i mean who i am i owe so much of that to her because she's kind of almost like forced me to step up and you guys leave those kids alone they're angels (laughs) (laughs) i need i need aaron to post one picture a week with the kids in a picture so i can see brody (laughs) brody Brody dude is just (laughs) like he's not he's never smiling 
That's it's crazy. Just, and it is the funniest thing in the world. It is so funny. He's kind of known he, for that now. He's my buddy, man. Oh, I like yeah, him. He's awesome. I like him. The, the best the best thing that's happened to me as a parent, you know, is um our middle our middle child Cole. He's eight. He's in second grade and um getting to baptize him, yeah. you know, at church was yeah. amazing and I remember, um, I think it was Paul or Addy or Paul and Addy, mm-hmm. you know, and one day at church they had talked about wanting to get get it baptized That's or right. whatever. And Cole's like six years old at the time, and he's like, he's like, I always knew, I always knew I wanted to follow Jesus better, and I didn't know this is what I needed to know, <laughs> but now I, now I know this is what I want to do, and I want to get baptized. I was like, Are you sure, buddy? You know, you're, you know what that means, and. Man, I got to sit down with him. We we went outside on the back porch, right? And we yeah. like popped open a couple like stevias or something like that and we're drinking root beer, me and my six year old, you know, and I'm walking him through and talking to him about sin and you know, the wages of sin is death because right. that's God's law and you know, how we can never earn our way into heaven by just being a good person and right. you know, how it's all about Jesus and you know, we're only saved by grace through faith. And walked him through all that stuff, and I said, now getting baptized, you know, that doesn't, that's not what saves you. This is, you're telling people, you're telling the world that you want to be a follower of Jesus. And um, and I remember we recorded a little video of him I, that night, and I sent it to Jody. I've got it. That's what oh, I was looking dude, for. I still so, have it. So good. I, I'm going to see if I can find it here, but so keep talking. Man, you know, <laughs> uh, just putting him under the water, dude, and yeah. pu- pulling him back out, and just seeing God all over him, you know. Um, and then we were waiting for my daughter, you know, like we kept asking her, you know, she wasn't quite ready yet. Um, we got to baptize her this past summer, which was amazing too, you know? So now two out of my three kids have decided to give their life to the Lord. Brody's, he's only, he just turned five and I'm sure it'll, it'll happen someday. I'm sure. But, uh, man, that's been so, so good. Yeah. I remember uh, a few years ago at family camp, Kaylin, our, my stepdaughter, it's my wife's daughter. She's 18 now but um she's gonna be 19 in july but she gave her life to the lord at family camp uh after a sermon by tom Harmon there and uh me and stacy got to baptize her in the in the lake there and it was just awesome yeah i've loved watching i was that i was actually going to bring that up while ago that you know but you have two of your kids have given their life mm-hmm. to the lord Brody, I think he's gonna be your preacher, just so you know. <laughs> you that, think that, so? Yeah, he's got he's got just the tude. You know what's awesome uh, about Brody? enough to do that. Brody, um, Rich, our drummer here at here at church. Rich has a flooring company, you know, and Rich is he came in and he did some work at our house and stuff, and that was the first time Brody got to meet him, and then Brody saw him at church and stuff. And I, I think Rich, you know, one day went up to him and was like, "Hey, man, give me five or whatever." But like one day, asked him if he could have a hug or something like that. Brody didn't want to give him a hug, and we're like, you know, give her, give Rich a hug, you know. Now it's like every week, Brody's like, Dad, where's that guy that I give a hug? I need to, I need to go find <laughs> him and give him a hug, you know, at, at church. Well, you, you know when Brody finally warmed up to me? When he found out he could call me Baldy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, when he found out he could insult me, now he's my best friend. It's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> These little heathen kids. True yeah, man. That's the yeah, true thing. Yeah, exactly. With so funny, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, we got way too many texts. I can't find it, so I'll uh, I'll have to look at it later. But I'll it's a great. Yeah, I Jody, that was probably a year ago. Dude. Oh, I know. It was yeah. two years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. maybe three. Yeah. Normally on your text, you could find uh, videos and pictures, but it's only showing me pictures for some reason. It's not showing videos, but who knows where that thing is? Gosh, 
I'll find it. It's no big deal. I was just going to, it's the sweetest thing about him telling how he gave yeah, his yeah, life yeah. to the Lord. And, uh, well, we played it, yeah. didn't we? Or did you, did you post it? I, I've seen it. So we, d- I think I posted it on Facebook. Got it. Yeah, <clears throat> exactly. So it's no big deal. We'll look at it later. So, well, that's awesome, dude. I, I'm just, like I said, I, I've just watched you uh, grow and watch your family grow and then watch your kids grow and, um so what's what do you think the lord's telling you now like where where do you think that that's a loaded question but um, kind of where do you think you're headed or what do you think god's talking to you about or um you know like literally where are you now yeah you know it's a it's a good question for me um i feel like this year is kind of like a pivotal year for me and it's weird because the first quarter is, you know, like almost over already. But, um, you know, another kind of big thing that, that God had been asking me to do, like, I always, like, I, I want to be used. You know, I just have, like, such a desire that he uses me to, like, further the kingdom in some way. Because I'm like, I'm here. Like, I'll listen, mm-hmm. you know, like, which is a scary thing, too, you right. know, to say, like, I'm here, use me. But um, I had been praying, you know, for a long time, like, you know, just Lord use me like take me deeper um you know show me more of you you know just prayers like that and um one of the one of the answers that I kept kind of getting over and over was that you need to quit drinking alcohol you know Mm -hmm. and um you know I grew up Catholic so I mean every church picnic we had like people were hammered you know like it priests running around drunk too yeah Yeah, exactly and you know it's alcohol has just always been part of the culture of our family like every you know every holiday that we get to ever get together you know somebody gets married whatever it is like we're always just having a good time and stuff my dad kind of struggled with alcohol and he, he definitely drank too much you know and um, it, it was something that I knew I had to kind of keep in check, you mm-hmm. know, um, but it just became to the point, you know, where it was kind of a too regular part of my life. You know, it was like go home after work and it was just kind of typical to have, you know, a drink or two or something like that. Like most, most nights of the week, you know, and sometimes on the weekends it'd be more and he, d- I'd never felt like I had a problem, but he kept calling me to give it up, you know, so finally this year is funny i confess this to our church but like i decided that was going to be my new year's resolution and Mm -hmm. then i was like man that's a long that's a long time to go without any alcohol and i was like i'll go till september 15th which is like the so you'd pick the date to start drinking i picked a date pretty (laughs) much i was like that's the start of hunting season like i gotta have a little bourbon you know when (laughs) i after deer hunting or whatever and um i didn't tell anybody i didn't even tell aaron and i realized you know that the reason I didn't tell anybody was because I didn't want accountability mm, yep. to it. I didn't want to like goof up and then hear about you goofed up. You right. Know? Um, so anyway, then I was like, well, I'll just do, I'll go the full year and I'm going to tell people this is my new year's resolution. I give up alcohol and, and hopefully God will like just take away that desire for me to want to drink again. You know? Right. Well, you know, in conversations with you and, you know, just praying and conversations with God, it's, it's no longer like a new year's resolution. It's just like, it's done. Like God's called me not to do this anymore. And, um, so I feel like that's just another way, you know, I'm kind of like taking some chains off and he's freeing Mm -hmm. me up to do something new this year. I don't know what it is. Like I love my, my profession, you know, and I feel like he called me to it. And I feel like 
my business is my ministry too right because i get to talk it's my business i get to talk to people about god if i want to talk to people about god you know um so i don't know i don't feel like he's like necessarily calling me out of that into something else right now right i've had you know a few people kind of speak you know just like almost some prophetic words over my life and you know tell me that you know this year there's something about this year for me i don't know what it is um still praying about that i went in october to um mercy multiplied is this this ministry that's like really close to my heart and um they had a, a conference called Empower, where they basically teach you how to help mm-hmm. people that are that are hurting and struggling. And there was some quiet time during that, and I was praying. And I don't know, I got a couple ideas. Um, you know, it's things I need to continue to pray about. But <laughs> Mercy Multiplied is um, it's a women's only it's a women's only ministry. So it's to help women recover from life controlling issues. You know, whether that's drug abuse, sex abuse. Um, you know, depression, self-harm, eating disorders, suicidality, all that kind of stuff. And it's incredible. I got I got introduced to that, you know, probably like 10, 11 mm-hmm. years ago. And it's been really, really close to my heart, but it's all women. You know, my brother-in-law, he committed suicide, and he had a lot of issues with um, depression and drug abuse and that kind of stuff too, you know. So um, I just feel like, man, there's there's got to be something for men like that too. And there's, there's some things out there, but... Right. I'm kind of thinking that's an idea kind of in the back of my heart, you know, back of my head, back of my heart right now. Like, is God calling me to do something with that? So well, yeah, and I'm not, tell- I'm not telling you I'm getting this from God, and I'm not your pastor, but, I mean, you've definitely been called to be an evangelist. Yeah. Like, you have a real passion to preach the word of God to people at work, people, everybody that you meet. You know what I'm saying? I think sometimes right. we get we get pigeonholed to think that our calling has to come like inside this church or something. And it doesn't, I'm an evangelist. That's the one thing that I know out evangelism through outreach and missions. That's my passion. And so I'll preach the, I'll preach the gospel to somebody at work that doesn't believe or believe something else. And that's really where the goods is, is bringing people into the kingdom. Obviously it's God through us, but I mean, I think you have an evangelistic calling on your life that's playing out without you even knowing it. Yep. You know what I'm saying? You have such a passion to let people know about Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And that's not always going to happen inside the church. Nobody, Most people inside church don't need to be saved. They're saved. Yeah. It's what's going on outside right. church. And I, I've been telling people this lately, and I'm not going to talk too much about it because it's about my talk well, at the next men's breakfast. You want to be you. You want to do amazing things for God. Be the least. Yeah. That's, That's a good. heart change. Yeah. yeah. It's not a my. It's not. Oh well. If I'm the least, He's going to make me the greatest. No, 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 no. It's it's a heart change. So focus. Take the trash out. You yeah. do that. I'm just. I'm talking to more than just you. Take the trash out. Do the little stuff. God says in the, in the, I think it's the book of uh, Ecclesiastes, he said, God looks to the man with the broken and contrite spirit, mm-hmm. not the haughty, not the high-minded, not the arrogant like I was, still am some days, not the prideful, the broken and contrite spirit. And that's the real change in right. you. You know, yeah. like you have a lot more humility. Than, I don't think you were ever cocky. You were never cocky like I was. Maybe it was more quiet. Yeah. Right, but you you're you're definitely a lot more humble than even when I just met you. Just keep going down that track. Ask God to ask God to make you desire to be the least. Yeah. 
and then he's going to do great things in your life. Well, I've been really like honored and blessed too. Like in my professional life, you know, as a chiropractor, I've had opportunities to speak at some conferences and mm-hmm. things like that, you know, and that's, that's like a number one, you know, that's the main ingredient for every talk that I put together, you know, it's like, yeah. for me, like all these things that we learn in chiropractic philosophy is it's God, it's the Holy spirit, you know, this power that's running our body. Like that's, that's, you know, my philosophy when it comes to it. So when I get a chance to speak to a group of chiropractors, you know, that's always going in there. It's a, it's a weird feeling though, you know, because right. like there's a lot of chiropractors who are like super strong Christians, right? But then there's a lot of chiropractors that don't believe and are really scientific or maybe a little or more spiritual. Yeah, yeah, just spiritual. Like yeah, talking exactly. About, you know, like Mother Earth and, you know, these, these types of things. Um, so it's interesting, but there's always kind of a weird feeling like when you're going into it, you don't know who's in the audience, you know? Yeah. Sometimes we think like, like the pinnacle of of Christianity is to be able to get up on stage and even if our hearts are humble and it's just a desire that we want to preach when in reality handing out one of those street bags to a person in need that's the greatest thing you can do in the kingdom it's like when 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 Jesus judges the sheeps and the goats what does he say to them did you feed me did you clothe me did you visit me when I was in prison or in sick, right? So that he's not just talking about those are the only things, but those are the basic things. Like if you're not doing that stuff, what are you, what doing? Are you doing? Yeah, exactly. Right? So that that's what that's his point there. It's not that he doesn't want us to preach the gospel or that stuff's more important than other stuff that we do as Christians, but my gosh, guys, if we're not feeding, clothing and visiting people when they're sick and in prison, taking care of the widows and the orphans and preaching the gospel to people to zombies that are walking around dead in their sin, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Yeah. You're exactly right. Um that's good. That's good. So um, I just wanted to see if maybe God had spoken to you. I, I know I knew that you're working on the not drinking anymore, and I've been praying for you on that because that's all of these things in our lives, like many of these things, whether it's drinking or your work or money or your kids or sports or your hobbies or whatever can all become idols in our lives. And if, if you're not listening for God to actually take you in a direction that, you know, get you out of these, then, man, it's going to be hard to hear from God. When yeah. we when we have these things um, in place, man, I, I'll never forget trying to dr- quit drinking, man. It was the, one of the hardest things. And I was, a, I had been a Christian almost a year at the time. And, you know, I, it didn't tell me, I, you know, it didn't say anywhere why I couldn't drink. Uh, I Then I figured out the verses that said, don't be a drunk. Well, you know, every now and then wasn't that big of a deal, you know, <laughs> and then, you know, it ended up costing me my career, you know, at that time. So, um, you know, God's going to get your attention. He was telling me to quit drinking, but I didn't. So I got fired instead, <laughs> you know, which <laughs> that got my attention even more. But that's, you know, not to just pick on drinking, but that's with anything. Yeah. You know, that could be, you know, you literally your career. It could be your bank account. It could be your children. It could be any of these things that you take and you put up on the pedestal instead of God. And that's a that's a scary place to be. Um, growing men, men who are in discipleship, will hear God tell them those things, or maybe somebody in their life will say, "Hey, man, I, you need to get this out of your life. You've got to be open and willing to listen to these things in order to uh, be able to hear God easier." 
I love what you said earlier. You said something about, um, you know, the, the moment that you confessed, you know, just all of that. Not only was the weight taken off your shoulders, and that began the process, which was not easy uh, to reconcile with, your, with Aaron and uh, just reconcile with God, more importantly. Um, but it was that, that moment that you started seeing clarity, not only, you know, with, with God, but with Aaron as well. You know, because that that was the thing that was keeping you two apart. I see that all the time as a pastor. You know, I see, um, you know, it, it could be everything from pride uh, in a man's life. It could be, um, you know, unconfessed sin. It could be, you know, any of that kind of stuff that hinders them uh, and it keeps them from having a good marriage, period. Uh, and most men are too prideful not to, to confess those things. And again, Confession doesn't have to be to the whole world. You know, now that's called a testimony. You know, your confession that began with a private one-on-one and or really one-on-two between you and your wife and you and God uh, was this, this moment that became your testimony years later. You know, now I'll never forget the first time you, you shared your testimony. It was extremely moving, and there were a lot of men that were moved because of your testimony. And that's what... That's the great thing about God. I, I love the way that God works. God doesn't take us and throw us away just because we're damaged goods. He will use us, build us back up, um, and then and then use us to, to help those that are damaged who think they're damaged goods and that they're getting ready to get thrown away. Uh, and he does that over and over and over again. And, guys, you have to be teachable. You have to be learned. You have to to want a, a desire to be discipled and learn the word of God. That's the only way that you're going to have a testimony. P- people that people in the church that don't share their testimony and I'm not saying you got to do it right away, you work up to that. They're they're the, the worst thing a Christian can be is like unapproachable. Yeah. And the way we get unapproachable is we make people feel like we're we're, we're here and they can't attain that. You've right. got to humanize yourself. Yeah. And you know, we, we a lot of pastors get this wrong. This above reproach thing means without blame. It means somebody can't blame you for something. Mm-hmm. Is that what it means? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know how you stay above reproach sometimes? Confess your sin mm-hmm. before Preach. someone before finds out about finds it. Finds out about it. Yeah. You, you, it. It does mm-hmm. not mean to be perfect or to not make any mistakes. Right. Who can do that, Jesus? Right. It means. Bringing it into the light so you can't be blamed later. David tried not to bring it into the light. And Nathan Nathan said, you're the man. man. Right? So, And he didn't mean that in a good way. No, he didn't mean it in a good way. And David had no choice. (laughs) The Bible says anything done in darkness. I always used to tell this to the stepkids. They get caught. Their mom has this innate ability to catch them. Like, <laughs> you don't even know how she did it. <laughs> and I used to say to him as, as Stacy was counseling them living room, we were talking to him, I'd look at him and I'd be like, whatever's done in darkness will be brought to light. Mm-hmm. I keep telling you that you're not listening. Yeah, you know what I'm good. saying? And, and Stacy's kids are really transparent with her, but you know, there's things that they've gotten caught in the past. And you're just like, how did she do <laughs> know that? You know, what's God interesting, you, yeah. yeah, what's interesting, too, and you spoke about this a little earlier, is it, it truly does free you. It has nothing to do with, you know, God knowing that he can now trust you uh, because you've confessed. But when you confess, 
um, it's a huge weight off your shoulders realizing that your entire world didn't dissipate after you, you know, confess these sins. And when we do, we rob the enemy of him telling us that we can't serve because of those sins. When we confess them to our brothers in Christ and we, we get acceptance from them and, right. and understanding from them and our pastor says, hey, man, I, I completely understand. Like, let's yep. work through this. The enemy says, hey, you can't be used because of this sin. You're like, no, dude, I already told my pastor we're yeah. good. We're straight. <laughs> yeah, you I got mean, nothing. That's the crazy thing, you know, about my whole story and, and that, you know, testimony, that confession is when I went and talked to, he was kind of like the associate pastor of our church that we were going to at that time. And I told him, you know, just laid it out for him. I said, I feel like I got to tell Aaron this, you know, he's trying to you know, get some, get some, uh, some coaching, you know, like right, what's the best exactly. way to, to kind of go about this. Yeah, Barry, don't say anything. <laughs> that's <laughs> and, uh, that's <laughs> what you're wanting to hear. But what he told me that day, he, he told me, like I said, some, you know, kind of just nasty, like sexual stuff mm -hmm. that had happened to him as a, as a child. And I couldn't believe that he just would like so freely really tell, tell you me that. that, you know, but it was because he was healed, you know, like God mm -hmm. took it away. God had forgiven him of that. And it's just so wild because he said it n so nonchalantly and it wasn't even on mm -hmm. my mind, but I had been through things very similar as a, you know, to that as a child. Right. And then really like just within the last year, one of our, another, another one of our brothers at church here, you know, who I've become very close to, he's probably like you know, one of my best friends now. Um, was struggling a lot last year and um, we we went up you know I went asked him if he wanted to go talk you know we went for a walk to chat or whatever and he was dealing with similar issues to right. that and I was now the one who was able to say what had happened to me so freely and yeah. not be worried about it because again you know Jesus washed it clean man mm -hmm. it's so it was so dirty but he washes it clean. That's we just good. talked about this last week when we were talking about man up and kind of talking about my testimony and, and you know, the, the history of the, the Hebrew says there is no testament without first the death of the testator. Now, in the context, that's Jesus, right? You don't have a certified testimony until there's the death of the old self, mm -hmm. right? So once you bring it into the light and you confess it and you've been forgiven for it, God certifies that testimony. And yeah, now he's going to use it in other people's yeah. lives, which I believe, and I'm not teaching this. I just say I believe it. I believe that every single mistake that we've ever made in our lives, God not only knew about, let happen because it was going to become testimony in our lives. Now, that doesn't excuse us from our behavior. Right, exactly. Right? I always say this. Yeah. Joseph's brothers don't get to say, well, if we didn't throw him into a well and try to kill him, then he would have never been promoted right, to the second right. most powerful man in Egypt. So, you know, what we know, they're responsible for their actions. Right. Having said that, what they meant for evil, God meant, good. meaning God meant all those things to happen to him, but for good right. in the end. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things I was thinking, too. You know, not every testimony. Matter of fact, not every trial ends up like yours. There yeah. are a lot of men who did exactly what you did, um, confessed exactly how you did, and yet they're still not married. Um, it does take two. And I do believe because Aaron was probably on a path further than you were in your Christian walk mm -hmm. that she was able to, to, to see that a 
and marriage is a covenant. You know, it is literally, it is till death do you part, that type of covenant. And that was probably instilled in her so well. You know, where most people are getting married today um, with a contingency. You know, if we don't make it, we'll just get a divorce. If we can't make it, we'll just, you know, split everything halfway. You know, and, and there's there's never been a, a, a conversation to say it's till death to us part. Yeah. Uh, so, man, don't think that we're saying that just because you confess something that everything's going to work out exactly like this. Number one, it will be work. Uh, number two, it will be freeing. Um, but it always won't turn out just like this. Um, you need to put thoughtful prayer into this. You need to make sure that you're, you know, stepping up to, to get counseling and, and do some things that, um, you know, you, you haven't done in the past that will help recon- reconcile that. Be praying for your spouse. Uh, women, same thing. Be praying for your spouse. Not every one of these turn out like this. But I'm telling you what, with God involved and God in the center and Jesus Christ, their Savior, it can work. And it can be beautiful on the the backside of that. I remember when Aaron and I were going through like premarital counseling, you know, the most impactful thing and maybe one of the only things that I still remember from that was like he said to us, he's like, You gotta take the word divorce out of your vocabulary. (laughs) Like it's it's never an option. Like it's never on the table. So you have to go about your marriage and your life as if that's never an option. Right. And that's I mean We've been through tough times, you know, and that's one of the big, that's one of the big reasons. I always tell my wife if she's ever going to leave me, pack my bags because I'm going with her. <laughs> <laughs> if divorce if divorce is an option, if that word's on the table, then it 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 frees you from from the tough conversations. Right. It you're not going to work through things like you would if you. If like me and Stacy, we would use the word divorce. Me and Stacy in a six-year period, now first four years, were separated for a f- short period of time twice. Well, once it was six months, twice mm-hmm. in four years because that word would come up from both our sides, right? Now that we have taken that out of our vocabulary and out of our mindset and out of our thoughts, don't get me wrong, me and Stacy still have a knockdown drag out every once in a while. I don't mean physical. But we, we, we reconcile the next day 99% of the time. Right. And, and and now it's both of us. I'll give you an example. Saturday, we got into a little tiff. I came to church Sunday early. She came a little bit later. We, we, weren't, we weren't reconciled yet. During worship, my wife reached over and she grabbed my hand. She was sorry. Not, not that I wasn't sorry, too. Not that she was taking responsibility for right. all of it. That's how. That's what's changed. Somebody has to start first. That's right. Yeah. Somebody and, has to start and, and first. And sometimes yeah. it's me. Yeah. But it's that that word does mm-hmm. not come up. Those thoughts aren't even in our minds anymore. And it and you not only do you fight differently, but you make up differently. Yeah. Totally. And and you you have to work through it and have those mm-hmm. tough conversations because it is not an option to leave. Right. Right. It's not an option. So now it's like you're stuck in a room with somebody that you've had a tiff with. Nobody can get out a door. And now you're having you're like, it's going to be miserable until you work it out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's that's great. That conversation has to happen in marriage and it has to keep happening. And um, God will do some amazing things. So, um, yeah, I just wanted the guys to know that not all everything works out perfect. 
you know, um, sometimes there's there's different, and, and especially in a marriage, man, there's two personalities, there's two mindsets, there's two, you know, again, especially if you're not one flesh to begin with. If you're not one flesh to begin with, um, and I mean spiritually speaking, man, it's, it's even tougher. Um, the crazy thing about that, though, is like, you know, thank God, you know, praise God that um, our marriage is, you know, intact and probably stronger than ever, but... I didn't know that that was going to be the outcome. No, you didn't. So, you know, it was a really hard, you know, decision to obey that because, I mean, I was facing, like, I didn't know which way it was going to go. And I had to be okay with, like, if God called me to this, you know, like, sure, I I had some, you know, confidence that, you know, it was going to be, it was going to be okay. Mm -hmm. You know, he, that there was a reason he was calling me to it, but I had to be okay with if it didn't go the way that it went right like if it's his plan and his will like you know that's what it's got to be right that's good that's good and it takes a you know somewhat knowledgeable and mature christian to be able to to make those decisions and it's cool to see god you know because you were still young in your faith if you think about it but you beat me down with it though yeah i was like i pray i mean i just wrestled with that for two years you know and i kept praying you know god don't make me do this you know and and he kept he kept telling me to do it, and I and then I'd pray, "Well, be patient with me," you know, and, and I drug it out for two years, you know. Um, but it's, I mean, the glory all goes to him. Amen. That is cool. That is cool. Well, you guys are an amazing couple, an amazing family. I love watching you guys uh, just grow, and I appreciate uh, you guys uh, doing what you do and um, following Jesus. Like that's that's just cool. You've had some good examples, man. You know, I like. You know, we talked a little bit earlier about some people not wanting to go to church and stuff now. And, you know, I used to not want to go to small group on Fridays because I wanted to go out and have a good time. Like, there's, like, no place I'd rather be. Oh, I know. You know, that at church, like, our church has become our family, you know. Mm -hmm. And we've had both myself and Aaron just amazing mentors, you know. And and not just mentors, but people that have been so authentic, you know, and so transparent. And we're all broken, yeah, dude. Like exactly. none of us has it all together. <laughs> none of us, you know. And I think a lot of like outside, you know, non-believers looking in think that we do have it all together. Right. But we don't have it all together yeah. at all. We're just as broken. We're just as screwed up. Everybody's got mm-hmm. junk. Everybody looks at Facebook, but Facebook's just like the highlight reel of all the good things You're that exactly happen. Right. Like, we've all got junk, man. You know, we're just we're just more broken people here, just praising God and thanking Him for you know the fact that he's brought us through it yeah that's exactly right i uh i want to encourage people who are listening like to to understand that church is a a broken place like it's not um you know i was just having this conversation today uh with a young lady that just happens to be my daughter um you know she's at that age exactly like i was at her age looking at people and and thinking everybody's a hypocrite you know, and she's grown up in church. She's been a PK pastor's kid her whole life. Um, and not th- she's not walking from away from the Lord. She's just got questions about how church structure and this and that. And, you know, um, and I just told her, I was like, there are hypocrites at church for sure. Without a doubt. Total hypocrites. I said, but you're standing in a house full of hypocrites. Uh, we're all hypocrites. Uh, you're going to go to work and you're going to find hypocrites at work. Uh, the politicians are all hypocrites. Like, 
Uh, people at the grocery store are hypocrites. You know, you can't utilize the word hypocrite not to go to church. And then I explained to her that, you know, where we find true value, and this is this is really what Man Up God's Way is all about, is about the community of men. Uh, it's a, about, a, even in church, it's about a community of people that you're getting to know, that you're being discipled, that you're discipling each other, that you're sharpening each other, that you're, you know, diving into the word of God and that you're getting to know each other. So it becomes authentic. You have to know each other in order to do that. You don't know people on a Sunday morning. You have to be involved in small groups. You have to be involved in community groups. Um, you know, Facebook is, is not a great place to do discipleship or get to know each other. I mean, it's, it's really one-on-one -on -one and, you know, close to each other. You tell Evie to stop using that hypocrite as an excuse and get her butt to church. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't playing. Okay, I'll, I'll come drag her and Elijah to church. I ain't scared of either one of them. I'll tell. I'll tell. So, them. Zig yeah. Ziglar said this one time. <laughs> he said, if you are not going to church because of hypocrites, he said, then that means the hypocrite is standing between you and God, which means he's closer to you than God is. Oh, you wow. don't want to use that <laughs> excuse. Yeah. Right? The people good. that God called, that Jesus called hypocrites That's good. in the Bible were unrighteously judging people. Right. They were unrighteously judging people, and they were using the law to their benefit. Yeah. That's who he called hypocrites. He never called Christians struggling with their walk yeah. hypocrites. Right. Because every single person in this world is a hypocrite. Yeah. I don't care how long. Alistair Begg is a hypocrite sometimes right. in his life yeah. because he says he is. Right. Right. We all He's are. been preaching yeah. for 60 years. Yeah. So we're all hypocrites. That ain't no yeah. reason to not come to church, Evie. I'm telling you straight up. <laughs> get to church every Sunday. She is a wonderful. Yes, she is. Godly. I keep going. She's my little girl. I just have to say little girl. I'm sorry. Uh, it, she, she's probably not listening That's anyway. Gay. That's so gay. But uh, I, she's my little girl, man. She was my number. She was my firstborn. And there's something special about those little girls, even though she's 21 years old. Um, but she's a godly girl. She, you know, she's she's uh, the world is different. You know, that even, you know, just in the last two or three years, it's different for that generation. You know, most of them missed two years of school and. Um, you know, they were stuck in college and not being able to enjoy the college life. And, you know, there, there's this, um, and, and I see it from the rest of the world as well, is that uh, we've just forgot how to be social. We've just forgot to how to be, you know, in fellowship and friends and kind and nice and all this kind of stuff. And uh, it's a struggle for a lot of that generation. And people are broken. And um, we've only got a few more minutes, but there, there is one thing that I do want to talk about, and this has been talked about all day long, um, speaking of broken people. Uh, did you guys see the uh, Oscar last night, any of the thing from the Oscar for the Will Smith? I saw the Will, the Will Smith, Smith and the Chris I told you, thing. I thought it was like a fake punch because I was walking out of the room. I thought he was just joking. Right. I didn't know until this morning what actually happened. Yeah, so so that the story, um, you're like – if you know Will and Jada Smith's story or whatever, they, they have an open marriage. And I'm just thinking of, of like what, what I saw at the, on that stage and when he sat down was a broken man, mm -hmm. like just completely broken. His world is shattered. And, um, and he just, he just did something stupid. And, and, and to be honest, 
and, and I'm not trying to make it all about Will and Jada. I could care less about them. I mean, he did something stupid, and I, you know, it could no, have you're been going somewhere it, else. It right? could have been ratings, uh, you know, for the Oscar because they suck anyway. I've, I've <laughs> never even like I've never I've never watched the Oscars number one, and the only reason I knew that he had done that was because it was all over Facebook today. But um, the, the the world right now is extremely hostile, extremely broken, extremely uh, hopeless. And it, it breaks my heart to see, you know, somebody like him or, you know, anybody else. Like, you, you, we just have a world right now that has no hope, L- literally has no hope. And um, my point is, is that, men, we have to be sharing the hope that you and I have in Jesus Christ, literally sharing that hope. Because I don't fear anything. I'm not fearful. I if if the world goes to hell in a handbasket, I'm good. I'm going to heaven. If you know we go to war with Russia, I'm good because I'm going to heaven. Uh, if the financial market drops out of the bottom, I'm good because I'm going to heaven. Um, there's nothing that we have to worry. I, my hope is in Jesus, and my hope is in heaven, and I don't have to fear that. And we've got to be sharing that the good news is what we all know it the gospel with everyone that's out there and it will bring hope jesus says you know lay your burdens upon me like i i will make your burdens light uh my yoke is easy um if we learn to do that and by sharing the gospel it gives us the ability to do that again being heaven focused being gospel focused being uh fellowship focused man it I know that I can rely on my church to share my burdens, period. The moment that I have burdens, I know that I can come to my brothers. I can, you know, go to my brothers and sisters, you know, couples that are out there. Man, it's just, it's a, it's amazing. So I want to encourage, if you're not in church, get in church, number one. Uh, if you don't know the gospel, the gospel is simple. Uh, Jesus Christ, who died upon the cross for our sins, who walked a sinless life, born of a virgin birth, planned from the beginning of time, uh, he died up on the cross for your sins. He took up on the worries or the sins of the world, and he 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 died, like literally physically died, put into a grave, and physically rose again three days later. Um, he walked the earth for forty days. Over five hundred people witnessed him, and he is coming back. And those who believe by faith will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from hell. We don't want anybody to go to hell. We want everybody to go to heaven. We want as many people as we can take with us to go with us, uh, and that is the gospel. For any of those who believe will be saved, and we we want you to know that because there's hope there. There's light that comes out of the darkness of that, and um, it will bring you peace. Matter of fact, the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. For everyone who gives their life to Jesus Christ by faith will receive the Holy Spirit, and you will be indwelled with the Holy Spirit. That's the gospel, and that's the hope that the world is missing right now. So um, we're almost finished up with time here. Um, you guys got anything else to say? Yeah, I got one more you, thing. Yeah, you go know, ahead. What, what you were just talking about, you know, um, you I've heard you say at church over the years, you know, like the worst thing that could happen to me is, you know, I die and then I go to heaven, you mm-hmm. know, and, as a as a young believer and you know kind of immature christian i'd hear people say jesus come back you know come back now and i'm like whoa 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 let's <laughs> not not just yet you know like because i wasn't ready and um man just 
get get right with the Lord. You've got nothing to fear. Right. You know? And it's 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 like a hard thing to do to give up control, but it's so easy, you know. Yeah. All you gotta do is confess what you already know that you're a sinner and you can't earn your way, you yeah. know, and you need Jesus and just confess it with your mouth that you believe. Amen. Nice there. job, Doctor Pastor Jared. <laughs> Doctor Jared. <coughs> that was good. Yes, sir. You know, man. the um I've been studying David and Goliath. I think I told you that the other day. Jody knows I have. And the war I've been doing a word I was you know, I, I've been getting into where now when a word um catches my attention I do kind of a little word study on and the word champion means a man in the between right and so heaven's champion is Jesus and the only person standing between you and the grave you and hell you spend an eternity where you don't want to spend it is Jesus Christ mm-hmm. he said to the he in the book of John I love the verse I am the resurrection and the life and he who believes in me will have life even if he dies. Mm. Do you believe mm, this? Right. If you believe it, you're saved. saved. Right. Yeah. right? Get into a church. Have somebody disciple you because the, the, what you're hearing on this podcast is, 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 is three guys that have decided at some point to have a relationship with each other mm-hmm. as a pastor mm-hmm. and as congregation members and, and leaders in the church. But it, it really starts with that God put it on Jody's heart years ago, a calling to disciple men. He took that and was willing to share his story and pour into other men, and he 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 is motivated by watching us grow, just like he said earlier. And then we take that and we go pour into other people. So That's discipleship in its finest that's right. right there. Amen. It Amen. amazes me people say they don't go to church. What did Jesus do? He did. He had people around him all the time that he yeah, was teaching, church. and they yeah. were having relationships. They were eating together. Yeah. You know, he was he was teaching them all these little lessons and uh, mm-hmm. about life. It's it's the model right. from the beginning. Right. And that, as we're, I'm I'm actually going through the Book of Acts right now in uh, church, and we're we're just now getting to the first church. You know, the first church plant, and um. I just can't imagine, you know, reading what they're doing. They're devoting themselves. They're praying. They're worshiping God. They're not debating. They're not fighting. They're not, you know, worried about what's on social media. They're not doing all this stuff that so many churches are doing today and so many Christians are doing today that we're fighting over the stupid stuff, man. Just love God and love others. (laughs) It would be amazing if people would do that. And then learn who Jesus is through his word, read his word, dive into it and man, soak it up as much as you possibly can. So man, Jared, it's been awesome. How can, uh, those who live in the St. Louis area come see you as uh, a chiropractor? Um, I've, I've had you, uh, adjust me. I'm not going to say yes. it. You, you won't let me adjustment. say it. <laughs> I, I, you've had me that adjust. Crack is not whack, yeah, yeah, because because <laughs> he's never been sick in his life. <laughs> I've never been sick. Yeah, I know. Knock on wood. Uh, yeah, if any if anybody is uh, you know in need or curious or wants to learn more, um, you can check out our website. It's www.212well.com or 212degreesofwellness.com. We're on Facebook. You can check us out there. And you know we're not for everybody. There's chiropractic is a lot like you know medicine and the fact that we have different disciplines and specialties and stuff mm-hmm. too. So um, you know if we're not the right w- we're not the right one for you.